Welcome to Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. Our host is Aaron David Free, president of Israel Team Advocates International. Aaron is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and an advocate for Israel and the Jewish people on college campuses nationwide. This is Israel and You. Hey, welcome to Israel and You. And we're going to dive deep today into some some really important issues and questions. And there is a, a word, it's midrash or midrashic. And it's, it's the way Jewish people learn. And, and it basically means textual interpretation. It means to seek, to seek with care, to inquire, and then to find a personal application. So maybe you have Jewish friends and they say, you know, I'm, I'm in a midrashic study. What they're saying is I'm, I'm, we're studying the Bible and we're trying to interpret the text as best we can to seek with care and to inquire. So we're going to do a little midrashic study today of a passage in the Bible. And the passage is Genesis chapter 4, verse 1 through 17. So if you have a Bible, it's almost like we're in church today. Turn with me in your Bibles uh, to Genesis chapter 4, and let's do a little Midrashic study on this passage. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It desires is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from the your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. So this is a very important uh, passage from the book of the beginnings, the book of Genesis. And this is a, a question that troubles me frankly, and it's the question that God asked Cain, 
Where is your brother and what have you done? And I'm going to look at this passage today from the perspective of Christianity's relationship to its brethren, the Jewish people. And the Jews are the brethren of Jesus. So they're your brothers and sisters as well. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, at the end of the age, I'm, I'm going to gather all the nations, all the people from all the nations, and I'm going to judge them based on how they treated my brethren. And he says the righteous will be before him and and uh, he will say, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. He's talking about the care, the protection, and the keeping of a particular people. And the righteous will say, when, did you, when were you naked and we clothed you? When were you thirsty and we gave you something to drink and so on? And Jesus will say to them, the righteous, as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And he's saying to the righteous, you were the keepers of my brethren. You were the protectors of my brethren. And who were the brethren of Jesus? The Jewish people. And the unrighteous will also stand before the Lord at the end of the age. And he'll say, as you have not done it unto the least of these, my brethren, uh, you've not done it unto me. I was hungry. You did not give me something to eat. I was thirsty. You did not give me something to drink. I was naked and you did not clothe me. I was in prison. You did not visit me. <clears throat> and as you've not done it in the least of these, my brethren, you've not done it unto me. And then they enter in to the Lord's judgment because they were not righteous uh, towards his brethren, the Jewish people. In Yad Vashem, there's what's known as the Avenue of the Righteous. And those of you who have been to Israel, of course, Yad Vashem is the uh, Jewish memorial uh, of the Holocaust. Uh, Yad means hand, and Vashem means memorial. And so it's like raising your hand as a memorial for the memory of those that perish in the Holocaust. And at that <clears throat> museum, at the Yad Vashem Memorial, there's an avenue of the righteous and there's a tree planted for the righteous of the nations, uh, each one who did their part in saving Jews. And of course, there's a tree there for Corrie Ten Boom. Her family perished. She was sent to the the work, the death camps because of uh, protecting and saving and, and keeping Jewish people within their homes. And again, the question uh, that Cain asked the Lord, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is yes, you, you are your brother's keeper. And so Corey was a keeper. She kept Jews. She hid Jews. She protected Jews. So the righteous from the nations, and I hope that's you, uh, we have a responsibility to care for and to keep, protect the Jewish people in these last days of time and especially during Satan's final onslaught against the Jewish people. And Christianity's destiny, I believe, I firmly believe this, is tied to how we care for the Jewish people in the last days. And, and the Lord Jesus seems to say that in Matthew 25, that uh, he'll enter into judgment with the people from the nations because of their mistreatment of the Jews. And he's really quoting from Joel chapter 3, where the prophet Joel says, and at the end of the age, God's going to bring the nations down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and he's going to enter into judgment with them there. Why? 
because they've mistreated uh, his brethren, uh, his inheritance, Israel, and they've divided up the land of Israel. And so in this passage from Genesis 4, the question God posed to Cain after he murdered his brother, where is your brother and what have you done? And so for all of us, to have a sense of hearing is to have a sense of meaning. And Cain did not listen. He did not hear the question, where is your brother? What have you done? He rejected it. He, he avoided the question. And uh, in the Bible, the word Shema, you've probably seen that before. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Baruch Shem Kavod, Malkuto, Leolam Va'ed. It's kind of like the, the national anthem of the Jewish people. Shema means to hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be his glorious kingdom forever. So all through the Bible, both Old and New Testaments, God calls his people to listen, to hear. Jesus did the same thing. Hear and obey. Do the things that I've commanded you to do. So if we do not have a sense of hearing and obeying God's voice, we have really no meaning in this life. And today people are starving for a sense of meaning. And we starve for meaning when we fail to hear God's voice. So I believe that God is crying out to uh, righteous Christians today, and, and those that are even unrighteous that could care less about his brethren. And he's asking the question, where is your brother and what have you done? And it is a question that Christianity as a whole has still yet to answer to address this question and we must come to terms with the fact that it was baptized Christians evangelical and Catholic that poured the gas into the gas chambers and if we neglect to remember history and fail to remember history then history can repeat itself so a question is who is responsible for the Holocaust do we accuse Hitler Should we hold the German nation responsible? At whose feet do we lay the blame? And which direction do we point the finger of judgment and proclaim with certainty, there is the murderous scoundrel, he did it. So to do so would be uncomplicated because Hitler is an easy target. We can blame it on his anti-Semitic ideology of race. We can say that he was crazy and be done with it. We can cast the dragnet of guilt over him and move on to more relevant matters. We can avoid the massacre of six million Jews because it happened over 60 years ago. Many of us were not even born at the time. So it has nothing to do with us or does it? And it's frightening prospect to ask who was to blame for the Holocaust. This is why few ask it. The truth is that Adolf Hitler did not act alone. Who then were his accomplices. Who were the monsters who released the Ziklong B gas into the gas chambers of asphyxiation and death? Who were the women uh, and men who served as command commanders and guards in the death camps? Who were the men in the Sonder Commandos, the Eisengruppen, uh, who murdered uh, sadistically through through Ukraine and Europe? Were they crazed antisocial uh, psychopaths? or just normal people who kissed their children's foreheads at night and attended church on Sunday morning. And the larger and more pointed question is this, 
Had we lived in Germany during those years, would we have been accomplices to the crime of genocide? It's unthinkable, you say. Yes, it is unthinkable. It's unrealistic, you say. But I say this, the the question begs an answer because history has a surreal way of repeating itself. Yes, there were individual Christian saints who acted on their own and hid Jews from the Nazis. Many of them were sent to the gas chambers themselves for their loving efforts. The Tin Boom family is a good example, as I mentioned earlier, in the Netherlands. It's a wonderful example of this. They gave their lives to shelter Jewish people from the murderous Nazi aggression. Uh, But however, Hitler's accomplices were baptized Christians, both Catholic and Protestant. And as a result of the fact that the church over these last 70, 80 years since, since the Holocaust, we have failed to answer the question, where is your brother and what have you done? Because it was baptized Christians that did the shooting. Hitler couldn't kill six million people. It was baptized Christians that turned in their Jewish neighbors to the Nazi authorities. And so it is a question that still needs to be answered. And there's many parallels, I believe, between Cain and Christianity. Cain was jealous over God's choice of able sacrifice over his, and that jealousy turned into lethal rage. Christianity has been historically jealous over God's choice of the Jewish people. For 17, 1800 years, we've been jealous. Uh, over God's choice of the Jewish people as his treasured possession. And that jealousy has led Christians over the centuries to be the most lethal enemies the Jews have ever encountered. And that's a historical fact. The most lethal form of anti-Semitism over the centuries has been Christian anti-Semitism. Cain refused to answer God's question, where is your brother and what have you done? And instead, he asked God a question of his own. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain not only denied the murder of his brother, but proclaimed he was not responsible for the care and protection of his brother. Not only has Christianity failed to answer for his murderous violence towards its Jewish brethren, it also denies any responsibility in caring for and protecting the Jewish people in times when the world is rising up against the Jewish people. So when we come back from the other side of the break, we're going to continue to investigate Genesis 4, and we're going to look for some solutions of what you and I can do in these days to keep and protect our Jewish friends and brethren. See you on the other side. Hello, I'm Aaron Free, president of Israel Team Advocates. Israel Team is standing in the gap for the Jewish people in a time of growing anti-Semitism in America. And there are many forces, even within Christianity, that want to divide the land of Israel and the city of Jerusalem. There has to be those who proclaim the truth about Israel in a time when nations are calling for her demise. Our organization works on college campuses where anti-Israelism is in vogue, especially on evangelical college campuses. Evangelical anti-Israel groups highly financed by George Soros and his Open Society organization are pushing evangelical millennials towards the abyss of anti-Semitism, and they are succeeding. One such group, the Telos Group, is funding all expense-paid trips for young pastors and evangelical college students to Israel where they feed them lies 
lies about the Jewish people and the land, and they come home anti-Israel. In just the last four years, evangelical young people have cut their support in half for Israel. In a survey in 2018, 69% of evangelical young people said they supported the Jewish people. A new survey in 2021 found that only 33% of evangelical young people support the state of Israel. So if we don't push back against the growing anti-Israelism within evangelical movement, evangelicalism could be anti-Israel within just a few short years. I'm asking you to help Israel team in this fight. I'm asking you to stand with us as we stand for God's covenant with Abraham and the land and the great nation that God is building in Israel. Will you give to Israel Team today? And there's two ways you can give. Go to our website, israelteam.org, to donate section, and you can give securely online. Be sure to give us your mailing address so that we can send you our new book, The Casualty of Contempt. You can also mail your donation to Israel Team. Find our address on our website, israelteam.org. That's israelteam.org. This is Israel and You, bringing Israel and the Jewish people into focus. And we're looking at the question that God posed to Cain in Genesis 4. Where is your brother and what have you done? And we're looking at Christianity's involvement in the Holocaust. And again, this is unthinkable information. It's like something we, we've not wanted to really deal with. But I think it's time that we answer this question. Where's your brother and what have you done? During the Holocaust, the number of righteous keepers of Jews was 000.1% of the population in the occupied territories. That's 30,000 uh, people like Corey Tenboom. Only 30,000. This means that there were 300 million Christians who did nothing. Remember, Europe at that time was mainly Christian, uh, Catholic, and Protestant. So it means that 99% of Europeans were either perpetrators themselves or indifferent to the plight of the Jews. But both bear the same guilt. Cain never repented for what he had done, but instead argued with God over the judgment that God had passed down upon him. He was concerned only really with his self-preservation. And he went away from the presence of the Lord. And the Bible says he settled in the land of Nod. And Nod means wandering. So Cain became a wandering man. He wandered away from the presence of God. And the first thing he did was he built the infrastructure of a city. And so for, most, for the most part, Christianity uh, has failed to come to terms with its harsh treatment of the Jews over the centuries and instead is concerned with its own self-preservation of its institutions and for 1,700 years, we have wandered away from the Jewish rudiments of our faith. And I firmly believe we're still wandering. One prominent pastor in Atlanta, Georgia, Andy Stanley, has said to his congregation, it's time for us to unhitch from all Jewish values and Jewish commandments. And then he proclaimed, do not follow the Ten Commandments. In other words, stop listening to the voice of God. And what I said earlier, if, if we fail to listen to God's commandments, we have no value. So for a Christian pastor in our day to say it's time to reject 
all things Jewish from our Bible is very, very frightening. And if we as Christians cannot hear the voice of God on the most basic level of caring for our Jewish brothers and sisters, the family of our Jewish Messiah, Jesus, these, these folks, they were the founders of our faith. They laid the groundwork, the, the prophets and the patriarchs. And all the promises came through the Jewish people. So if we can't, at the most basic level, ask God, what can we do to be the keepers and the protectors of this people in this terrible rise of anti-Semitism in America today? Then our faith, I think, has lost its meaning and authenticity. And we as Christians must answer this difficult question that God asks Cain. Where is your brother and what have you done? What is tragic to me, ladies and gentlemen, is that the theology that led to the Holocaust known as replacement theology is now becoming one of the dominant theological narratives in evangelical places of higher education and evangelical seminaries and church pulpits. The early church fathers proclaimed that the Jews were demons, Jews are damned to hell, Jews are brute beasts, Jews are not even humans, they said. And this kind of rhetoric, this hateful rhetoric, led to the Crusades where uh, many Jews were murdered, led to the Inquisition where Jews were burned in their own homes and burned in the synagogues. It led to leaders like Martin Luther later on who would say, uh, write a book, The Jews and Their Lies, and he would say in the book uh, that we must burn the holy books of the Jews. We must burn down their synagogues. On November 10th, 1938, it's known as the Night of the Broken Glass or um, Kristallnacht in German. German Christians celebrated Martin Luther's birthday. And November 10th was Luther's birthday. And what they did, the Christians went through uh, the cities of Germany. They burned 200 synagogues, and they burned the holy books of the Jews. And one bishop, Bishop Sass, a Lutheran bishop, said, Tonight we celebrate and honor Martin Luther's birthday by burning the Jewish books and burning Jewish synagogues. So when people burn books, they will eventually burn people. And later on in the Holocaust, uh, German baptized Christians, they, they burned Jews alive in the Warsaw Ghetto. They burned Jews in the gas chambers. And my family, uh, they were shot by um, German young men, Christian baptized German young men on their belts. Uh, the German soldiers had the words, Gott mein uns, God is with us. And they, they shot them point blank, and then they burned the bodies of the uh, 500,000 Jews in Ukraine. So evangelical Christians are still uh, demanding the burning of Jews. Dr. Gary Burge, who taught at my alma mater, Wheaton College, for 15 years, said in one of his anti-Semitic books, if Israeli Jews do not convert to Christianity, they're good for nothing and should be cast into the fires and burned. This book won the award of merit by flagship evangelical magazine Christianity Today. It's unthinkable to me that some Christians are still calling for the burning of Jews. One prominent pastor in, in Texas said that all Jews are going to burn in hell forever. And God's going to send them to hell. And he said this with anger. All Jews will burn in hell forever. So that kind of rhetoric, when, when we speak those kinds of things, uh, eventually 
we act it out. And historically, this is proven out. So this question must be answered. Where is your brother and what have you done? And the question that Cain asked God, am I my brother's keeper? And uh, it is true, we are our brother's keeper. And God says to Cain, your brother's blood cries out to me from the earth. But in Hebrew, actually, God used blood in its plural form. Your brother's bloods cry out to me from the earth. Why did God say bloods? And it's because not only did Cain kill Abel, he killed all of his descendants that would be born through his seed in generations to come. And so think of this. When six million Jews were murdered, the blood of the bloods of those six million Jews are crying out to God from the earth today. And think about that. There's somewhat maybe 18 million, some say 15 million Jews in the world today. Think of how many Jews there would be in this world if we have not murdered six million of them. So where is your brother and what have you done? There's a, there's a quote by uh, Pope John the 23rd, and it's a prayer that he wrote soon before he died. And he says this. It always brings me to tears when I read this, this prayer. We realize now that many, many centuries of blindness have dimmed our eyes so that we no longer see the beauty of thy chosen people and no longer recognize in their faces the features of our firstborn brother. We realize that our brows are branded with the mark of Cain. Think about that. He must have read the passage, and he found himself in that passage. He did a Midrashic study, and he said, you know, there's some personal application I can find in Genesis 4. He said, we realize now that our brows are branded with the mark of Cain. Centuries long has Abel lain in blood and tears because we had forgotten thy love, O God. Forgive us the curse which we unjustly laid on the name of the Jews. Forgive us that with our curse we crucified thee a second time. So he's saying there's some personal application we as Christians can find in Genesis chapter 4. So your work and my work in these last days of time is pushing back against the growing anti-Semitic and anti-Judaic narrative within evangelical Christianity. And it's crucial that we push back. It's the elephant in the room. Why is it so crucial for you and I to understand this and act? Because the expansion of anti-Semitism within a nation depends on the stability or instability of the society. And so anti-Semitism is the proverbial canary in the coal mine. It's a sign of impending danger. And a society that is in crisis allows anti-Semitism to flourish. So what's happening in American society, according to the FBI? Anti-Semitism has grown by 365% in the last two years. So we're seeing this before our very eyes. Evangelical millennial Christians, in just the last three or four years, their support of the Jewish people has been cut in half. Think about that. If this trend continues, evangelicalism will be anti-Israel within the next 10 years. So the hatred that begins with Jews, it never ends with the Jews. And so God is crying out to all of us today, where's your brother and what have you done? Your brother's bloods are crying out to me from the earth. And so we must not allow history 
to repeat itself. We must understand history. We must say to the Lord, may we find personal application in Genesis 4. So I hope this has been helpful. I love you, and we'll see you next time on Israel and You.